0: Welcome back to the Be Ruthless show. I'm your host Sam Ruth and joining me today is a wonderful co author from leading with legacy, Angela Germano. She is currently an award winning middle school language arts teacher communication professor multifaceted professional writer in the global medical and self care sectors, and produces inspirational documentaries. In these roles, Angela coaches people through their academic career and life challenges and is devoted to positively impacting people's lives so they can achieve their dreams. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. I can't
0: believe our book is available. It's every time we've done it before, but it feels different every time, but still surprising even though I know it's happening.
1: Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's incredible that this book is going to go out into the world and everyone's going to be able to get their hands on it and they can share the messages that are inside, you know, like 20 brilliant stories and the ripple effect is going to be huge. I just know it.
0: And what meant a lot to me is that these were people selected because of previous stories that impacted readers.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, I first got involved with, uh, Kate Butler publishing, uh, about three years ago. And I have been in two of her collaborative pieces and it was an incredible experience. Both books did so well as I feel like she has this amazing track record of making sure her authors are bestsellers. Right. And, uh, You know it it sounds so impressive to be a number one international best-selling author but really what's what's the important part is that our message is getting out there and we're helping so many people get through their dark places their dark times and they can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel and to me that's such that that's the exciting part here is that our our book is coming out tomorrow uh Leading with legacy and, you know, it's our heart. It's our heart that's gonna be there on these pages in people's hands for not just tomorrow or the next year, but like years to come decades, you know, my children's children, you know, like it'll be there. And our stories are there to help so many people that we couldn't, I I couldn't even imagine. It's just amazing being a part of this book that is going to be around for so long. And all of us wrote it with the intention of our legacy, making our mark. It's, it's oh, it's. What's your
0: chapter title? What's your chapter about?
1: My chapter is about falling in love with life. And uh, I wrote it thinking about my children. And Samantha, I, my other two stories that have been published with Kate, my first story was in Women Who Illuminate. And my, third, my uh, second was in Women Who Rise. And they're in chronological order. So my first story that was published in Women Who Illuminate was all about being rooted. It's about my childhood mm. and where I came from and uh, how I had to find that my power was in my choices that I made. You know, it was about not being stuck and getting yourself unstuck and realizing that really there's no excuses. There's no excuses. There's reasons, but there's no excuses. So it's about me finding out that my power was in my choices and not making excuses for myself. My childhood was a bit rough growing up. I lost my mom when I was young. Um, we were a very poor family. And uh, after my mom passed away, she battled cancer for five years. She beat it twice, but the third time took her. And after she passed away, my dad took my younger sister and just moved states away. And I knocked on my family, my extended family's doors and they they literally said no. So I was on my own. I was on my own. And uh, one big message that I was left with from my parents was that education mattered. So I turned to my teachers and my teachers helped raise me and my friends, uh, their their families helped raise me. And along the way, I, I still had to make some really hard choices. And I ended up going to college, paying for myself to go to a private university. And in my story, I talk about, you know, not feeling rooted and you feel safe and secure when you're in the same place, but really you have to get yourself unstuck and you could be rooted there, but man, you can blossom and go in all sorts of different directions. And that's what my first story is about. My second story that I shared in Women Who Rise was about, okay, now I've gotten myself unstuck. Like I'm in this beautiful place. I'm married, I have amazing, I have an amazing career. And I just, I had this fear. I had this fear that like my mom, um, I wouldn't make it past a certain age. And my story starts with, okay, now that I've made it to that certain age, why? Why am I here, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Like, why, why did I, why am I so blessed to be here? And what am I going to do? Oh, what am I going to do with this power? So um, I realized that I was not branching out in certain places because I was afraid. I was afraid. So my second story is about fear and not letting it contain you and letting it push you in new directions. So in order to get... Um, you know, I, I kept on digging in, why am I here? And I decided that it was, you know, my my big fear in life was I never wanted to bring someone in this world so that I, I wanted to make sure I was there to raise them if I were to bring somebody into this world. Because it really hurt when my mom wasn't there and my dad left and I was on my own. So I realized that I was letting that fear contain me and I was keeping myself from having a family. So once I lived past a certain age, I said, you know, maybe I am supposed to have children, but I don't think I could do it. So then my story starts there and it talks about how I let my fear push me in a new direction and what I did, I basically had to reinvent myself. And I talk about that reinvention a few different times, you know, we keep on trying until we get it right. So my second story is uh, about that pushing yourself to go further and not being afraid to do so. So this third story picks up with me actually falling in love with life. I realize that that's what my legacy is. It's um, I have a great appreciation for the, this mystery of life so much so that I get giddy. (laughs) Like I get, I. I literally feel like, you know, it's every day I wake up and it's like that, um, that jittery feeling inside your body, but it's a positive. Those butterflies are there because wow, I get to do this again today. I woke up. I, I'm lucky how this I'm here for a reason. Let's do this. What adventure can we get into? Like, it's that giddy feeling like when you're in a romantic relationship and that's what it is. Um, it's, it's me falling in love with life and how in the world I got to that point from the tragic beginnings and some of the horror that I faced and that I was able to move past and I'm still in love with life I'm not bitter this is amazing so that's the legacy that I want to pass on to my children and that's what I thought about as I wrote this third story falling in love with life. I love that. I love all, all of that. And and how the
0: three connect and go in order. And just the fact that you look at your
1: family. I mean, we're not just talking about newborns now. We're how old? Oh, I have two children. My son is 10. So I have a decade with him. (laughs) It's so crazy. And my daughter is eight. What fun
0: ages. And they are the light of my social media. I love seeing what they're up to and and their activities. My only issue is that I'm a Cowboys fan. My dog's name is Dallas, and their theme is the Eagles.
1: <laughs> yes. So. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, um, born in Philadelphia. Um, it's so crazy, and this is in my story too. My, um, you know, I never wanted to find a significant other. I like I said, I was I didn't realize it at the time, but I just wanted to be solo all the time because I didn't want anyone to have to depend on me and I never wanted to let anybody down. And my security was that I only had to worry about myself. Well, you know, the universe works in mysterious ways. (laughs) I worked so hard as I talk about in my first story to get out of the Philadelphia area like my where I was rooted. I worked hard to get out of there. And um, I did. I graduated from college. I was finishing up my master's degree. I went to a graduation debar- uh, graduation party, and Samantha, that's where I met my husband. <laughs> you know that we grew up streets no. apart, from each other, in the same little town. I mean, this town is a is um it's in it's right outside of Northeast Philly. Like no one even knows the name of it because it's not even like a mile, a square mile. And I grew up right around the corner from him. That's insane. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, I love that. So it's so funny because I'm not a sports person But, you know, I love the idea of Philadelphia and brotherly love and where the United States started, but my husband is like so into Philadelphia sports and I'm like dude I work so hard to get away from that area. so, uh, but yes, we are, we're, we're Philadelphia right now. We're riding this high because the Phillies just made it into the world. Series. I know. And the Eagles are doing well too. So, yeah,
0: so we'll we're be all- rivals at the end of the season, but we can love each other all the other days. <laughs>
1: yes. And you know what? It's a, I was telling my students, cause I teach middle school as well as college. And I was talking to my middle school students on Monday. We always do a, uh, what's good, you know, what's good. Mm-hmm questions. So we were talking about our what's good. And they were like, Mrs. Germano, what's your, what's good? I said, you know, I, my husband and my son were watching sports all yesterday and I actually enjoyed watching. They're like, what? Cause they know me. I like <laughs> have to know the people. I have to know the people. Like I'll watch my son sports. I'll watch my husband. He was like a big hockey player before. So I was like, I will watch all of that, but to watch strangers play a sport, like I can't, whatever. But I had a blast watching sports because they had like little cheers that they did for each other, the players, like after they did something well. And then in the locker room, they were singing and they have like this little um, anthem now that they sing. And they were having the Philadelphia sports fans sing the uh, anthem in the streets. It was just so adorable dancing on my own. So it was just so it was so cute. I was I was finding joy in watching Mm -hmm everybody be happy. So I was like, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling sporty today. That's what's up with Mrs. Germano. That's what's good. (laughs) Well, I think that's a perfect lead into how
0: you teach, how unique it is. And it's what I talk about all the time, about how the world needs to be, not only in school, also in work environment. So one segment, is that every Monday or every day that you do what's good? Uh, We do what's good probably about three times during the course of the week. Okay, and let's talk about the other things that I love that I think school should be.
1: Oh, yes, so um, I, I wasn't always a teacher. I did just to give a little bit of background, my background is in marketing and advertising and journalism and public relations. I'm a writer at heart, I'm a communicator. So um, my, I was an ad director in the city before I became a teacher um in the middle school classroom i was i've always been teaching college so when i teach when i had the opportunity to teach middle school i was very much about like who's in my class what's their story and as i was getting acclimated to being the you know teacher in the classroom i wanted to know who my students were and i quickly realized that oh i'm a marketer i'm totally analyzing my audience and i want to make sure that i gear every message that I have, every classroom lesson, it's got to be about the students and it's got to, I got to start from where they are and bring them to where they, you know, need to be or where they want to be, where they aspire to be. And um, so that's how I operate in the classroom. And, you know, curriculum, it's great to learn lessons, academia, world, but really it all starts from within it all starts from within so when i talk about meeting my students where they are it starts with their heart it starts with their mental health it mm-hmm. starts with what they what they come in with in their in their heart and what they're feeling and that's important so when they come in my door that's what we Honor, that's what we take time to feel, and that's where I meet my students at. So we start every day with, um, you know, a what's good. Like I said, other days we do a what's bugging you, um, and we do a good news share. So there's always like some type of topic that we share out um, that we ask questions of each other, and then we go into our meditation. We go into our meditation, and uh, we take, you know, three minutes uh, to Five, 10 minutes sometimes depending on what the students need to really hone in on how we're feeling to listen to our bodies and respect what we're feeling and make sure that we honor those feelings and know that we can't really move forward to a new direction until we figure that out. So each day when they come in we share and then we write down our lesson In our journal, we use journals, we always use journals and uh, we write, we put a heart in our journal and then we take some moments to feel, we take some quiet moments to meditate and then we sketch inside of our heart how we're feeling. Sometimes we can't verbalize it, but we can picture it in our mind. Sometimes we can sketch it out. Sometimes we can use a number. It doesn't really matter. But the, the idea is that we're taking time to honor our feelings. And I go around the room and I look and see what they sketched. And if they want to share out, they can. And that's where I meet them. That's where I meet my students. So meditation is a huge part of every day of class.
0: I want to be in your class. I only want to go to your class and I want your class to be the world. Oh, I mean, really, really, truly. The majority of my clients come to me in the bathroom crying or they go to their car because they don't feel safe in their school or work environment to say, I'm struggling right now, or I'm having a bad day, or I got in a fight with my mom on the way to school, whatever it might be, it doesn't, it's not allowed or it feels unsafe. And the fact that you teach this on a regular basis, these students will be more equipped to deal with life
1: yeah thank you thanks thank you so much for saying that and recognizing and doing what you do um it, it's in, it's incredible you know I feel like that's my that's my reason for being here right like when I was I was afraid to have children and uh, when I talk about reinventing myself I went I went back to school so I could be in the classroom but really it was it was going to help me raise my children and what I quickly learned is that you know we live in a very hustled world. Mm-hmm. And people have children, and that is an absolute blessing. Um, But, you know, we all have our own challenges. And teachers, my role in the classroom is to to help. You know, it takes a village, and I take that very seriously. Like, I want to be there for my children, my children in the classroom. When I first started teaching, before I had children of my own, Um, my love bugs would call me mom and I'm still in touch with them. I've gone to their baby showers. I've gone to their college graduations. Like I am a part of their life. I'm that trusted person. And I think that how I get there and I I wish that other people like owned it and were confident enough to do it is just, I'm open. I'm authentic. I am my real self. You know, I talk about it from the very first day. Like I have lots of character flaws, but what I realize is that they make me who I am. And that is really cool because they're not flaws at all. That's my zaniness. That's my crazy. That's my, that's my reason for being here. So I need to feel what I feel, honor it, respect it. And I can share it because what it does is it empowers me to be who I am and it empowers others to be who they are. So I said, it doesn't matter how old or how young somebody is or where they're from or what they've been exposed to. We all go through stuff, you know? So a lot of times in class, and I tell them, like I said, day one, I'm going to share. I'm going to tell you what I'm going through, my mistakes, the way that I think. And, you know, you might judge it or you might connect to it, but my end game is that you know like we're all real and it's okay it's good you don't have to hide let's be there for each other like we're a team and it starts here but it doesn't end here we take these relationships throughout our academic world but hopefully through our social world too you know it's a big world out there and i want us to be connected not just for our class time but an extension of that as well so i i love being a part of my students lives even as now I have my own eight and 10 year old, you know, like I wanna be a part of it all. That's my reason. That's my reason for being here to help, to help people feel comfortable in their own skin and for them to uh, hone in on the skills they need to have a voice and have the confidence to share that voice with the world.
0: I could not agree more. And I'm sitting here thinking, We were talking before we started recording about the differences that i've seen in the school systems and in mental health care from michigan to colorado so i'm thinking there are people who go to schools that don't even have a psychologist or a mental health professional on staff let alone a class where they're allowed to express themselves and and that's just for the younger generations most employers and big companies aren't sharing and having heart-to-heart meetings with their staff either. And I'm curious if you have any suggestion to anyone listening, to the teachers and to the business owners out there about taking that step outside of the box and and bringing this to a company or a classroom.
1: Yeah, you know, we don't have a big budget. I mean, I work in, um, it's one of the largest suburban middle schools in New Jersey. Um, Toms River, we were actually just, it came out on the news today, we were voted the nicest town in New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) We're along the coast. Um, We suffered big time from Sandy, from Hurricane Sandy, Superstorm Sandy that came out about 10 years ago. And, um, you know, I always keep that in mind, that teaching anytime that you're a part of the community, so like small business owners, teachers, it doesn't take a lot of money. It doesn't take any money to just be there. Mentally be there, listen. Um, That's a huge tip to make space, to like mental space, you know, the time, that kind of space to just listen to your staff, listen to your students, and model to take that time to listen to your bodies, to listen to each other, to respect sometimes you don't even, you don't need to then have an answer. And I think that's sometimes the roadblock that people think, oh, well, I need money for that. Or I don't have the time for that because they're putting something else up there on a pedestal rather than mental health, which is, you know, that's not really healthy. Um, So I think if we make the time, like reevaluate and make the time like I do in the classroom. I only have 50 minutes with my students, but I make sure that I have that time because I have to model that it is important to make time for ourselves. And it is important to connect. So even if you have no money, you can do those things. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, making the time, creating the space, modeling, um, listening. It doesn't and companies
0: have time. staff meetings and, and, and training days and all sorts of opportunities to take a section of that time. You don't have to have a 50-minute class every day, but people need to know that it's allowed and also that there's a person or a place. If it's not you, is there someone else they can go to? Because I'm sure your students have however many other classes that are not like yours and they still connect with you and interact with you. So it is about making those relationships and making a difference to the people who want to be there. There might be people who don't love your class. I doubt it, but they could.
1: Yeah. So I, so my whole class is 50 minutes, but you know, our first 10 minutes or so is the meditation. I make sure we do that. And some teachers, you know, they'll say, oh, my class is rowdy. And I'm like, oh, do you do meditation in the beginning? Like what kind of, you know, what do you do in the beginning of class? Because it sets the tone for everything else. And like you said, staff meetings are the same way. You know, we show up for a staff meeting and we show up for a staff meeting. and um, you know, everyone's got ideas running through their head. So there's got to be something there to um make sure everyone feels listened to. And but also listening to their bodies and what they need. And because usually that would calm down their nerves, and then that would change the way that they communicate. And then you'd have a much more effective meeting, you know, either for the listening or for the person who's speaking or the audience members that are participating, like it changes the whole mindset, it really makes sure that everyone takes time to listen to themselves and Thinks about the growth that's going to happen rather than be fixed in any kind of negativity or you know having leftover feelings from something else that has nothing to do with that meeting and bring that into a new space you know kind of like trashing all that other stuff at the door so whatever you need to do to make sure people feel respected calmed and communicate properly that's what you should do in the beginning of any meeting so that's why my classes always start with that. And, um, you know, bringing it to other places. So when I have my students in front of me, I always talk about, you know, like your parents, they're people, they're real people. So let's take this to them, you know, like help your parents when you see this happen. Maybe this is a technique you can use. Like we do tapping in the classroom. Hmm. Um, We do our countdown so they have control of the numbers. Um, We do our deep breathing. We do uh, listen for a constant sound so you can regain your focus. You know, and of course we do our stretching. So we use a variety of techniques in the classroom and the hope is that they can take it to the other classes. The hope is that they can take it home with them and use it when, you know, parents are struggling in their own ways. The hope is that they can take it to their coaches and their um, family members to give them tools to deal with the stress and anxieties that they deal with in their life so that all together as a community, we can be better. Because like I said, it, we, we were, um, you know, we're part of uh, Superstorm Sandy and we had a lot of parents lose homes. A lot of these children that I now have in the classroom, they're 11 years old. They probably grew up in someone else's house because their house got messed up you know, they, they probably might even still be living there or, you know, hotels. So We have a lot of displacement, a lot of um, transition that these children had at that core time where their language was being built. So, and that's not only for the children, but for the families that had to deal with that. It's a lot. So, In the classroom and beyond, I think we just need to recognize that everyone has their own struggles. If it's an individual or a family or a community, or if it's a career and we need to make time to listen to ourselves and we need to model that for others so that they feel confident doing, doing that as well. So true. And
0: moving is stressful for adults displacement, transition, right? So giving kids a place to talk about that and acknowledging that it's okay to feel a little bit out of whack when everything around you is out of control too. That's a big deal. And we we are going through all sorts of things, COVID, parents who are sick, relatives who they haven't seen in a long time because of COVID. There's so many things and not addressing it to me is unhealthy, And leads to problems in other areas. So I love that you do this. Anyone listening, you can start with a conversation at home. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be a business owner. Meditation is something that looks different for everyone. There's no right or wrong way to do it. And you can just, in this day and age, find an app and listen to a three to five minute meditation to get started. And it's something I wish I had done starting in in elementary or middle school.
1: And you know what to add on to that, Samantha, you're so right. And I I just want to point out that like, even in the classroom, and I've been teaching for like 20 years now. So even in the classroom, I've been doing this all along. The scores, because we all know, like some schools are all about those standardized tests and the scores. And I go through with the children, you know, like, the importance of those scores, like why they're important to different communities, right? So like we talked about um, Superstorm Sandy and we talked about COVID. Um, you know, it does something to the community, the real estate value, right? And businesses then that come in. So we talk about how that all of that is connected. And so I we have the importance for mental health and I wanna make sure that the takeaway there is that it does not detract or from anything Else that is done in the classroom or can be done in business. So my students, um, they do very, very well on the state scores. Even my um, the students that have learning disabilities score higher than the general education um, for New Jersey so they score really really high and sometimes other teachers will ask me like well you do all that meditation stuff like when do you have time to actually teach so just like the business owner like well if i take time for that like when do i get my you know my productivity um for my business but it makes it that it's it strengthens it Mm -hmm. so me taking time for the children to become um, healthier mindset allows them to be stronger academically and there's proof of that by their scores being so high, not just in the classroom, but also with these standardized state scores. Like it's cool to have that actual data, that mm-hmm. compelling data that supports that mental health matters and it does not detract. When you take the time to do that, it does not take away from that other time. You know, I still get stuff done in the classroom and it's still effective because the students are proving that it mm-hmm. is. So- and they're
0: present and they're, they're not stuck on whatever issue in their mind they just got out. And I love that you mentioned some can put a number and some can color and they can fill their heart in different ways because not everyone learns the same way. Not everybody expresses themselves the same way. So it's still an activity that anyone can do and there's no right or wrong.
1: Yes, Samantha, you're so smart for bringing that up. Oh my gosh, I love you. Yes, (laughs) learning styles, right? Learning styles. We talk about this because, um, you know, it's communication. In the community, not everybody communicates the same way. Not everybody learns something the same way. And that's another thing we do in class. And, you know, we do it in class because I want them to take it out to the community. We have to recognize that everyone learns differently. Right, everyone communicates differently. So, although we may have all just gone through COVID, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. People don't don't bounce back the same in the same ways. They don't learn things the same way. They don't adapt the same way. You know, we we can't say that. Oh, I went through the same thing. But no, it's it's really not because the way that our brain processed that information and stored it or deals with it, or even if it's wrapped up in our psyche and we we don't even know it, it's still there. You know, it's different for everybody. So um, I love that you brought up the learning styles because so many times I think there's friction between people and then you might explain that to a friend and a friend says, oh, same thing happened to me, it's fine. But no, we're all different. We process the information differently. That's why it's so important to listen. And let people express themselves in the different ways that they can, right? And listen and honor and respect that. So I, I love that you brought up the um, the learning styles. It's it's so important. I
0: I was a, a I loved learning. I loved school. It came naturally to me. And my my dad just assumed my younger brother would be the same way. <laughs> and then one day he realized that. We learned differently and he had to change his techniques or my brother would not (laughs) ever turn in an assignment. So it really is true and and I can laugh about it, but there are people who resist that and, and schools even that resist adjusting to a different type of technique with certain students. And I'll tell you the schools and the teachers that make that effort see the success because It's just some people are visual learners and some are not. And and we all know that at this age in life. So I love that we're talking about all of this. How can people connect with you outside of getting the book, which is available on Amazon, Leading with Legacy?
1: Oh, I'm Angela Germano, positivity at gmail.com. You can email me anytime. You can find me on social, uh, Angela Germano Positivity.
0: Wonderful. Anything else you want to share about the book
1: or yourself? Any final thoughts? Oh, oh, final thoughts. Oh, I love this part. Um, I am so grateful that you're giving me this opportunity, this platform to speak. And, um, you know, I have had such uh, a lucky experience because I started out having to be so thankful for life. Um, as we know, that's not always the case. So falling in love with life, it's, it is life-changing. It's the best relationship that you can be in. It, it, it doesn't, it just takes a switch in your mindset. And I think if we start expressing our gratitude for life early on, and, uh, we express that to our children and then it can flow through our community And uh, it just, it really does, it sounds kind of silly, but it makes the world a better place. So to be grateful, I think that's where it all starts. It all starts with being grateful. And I'm so grateful for this space that you're holding here, Samantha. I am so grateful for um, our books, for our book coming out tomorrow, for um, there's a documentary that I'm involved in that I've helped produce uh, uh, authentic conversations. And it's it's about being real. And it's a first. It's a first in a series. And uh, so I'd like to mention authentic conversations because we're really trying in all the different platforms to get people to be real with each other and to be honest. So um, falling in well, love. And with there are several of the authors from Legacy who are a part of this, correct? Absolutely, yes. Very fortunate to know Dr. Angela Sadler Williamson, who is part of the Inspired Impact book series. And she is an expert in so many different ways. And for her to include us um, in this production of Authentic Conversations. And like I said, it's only the first, there is a complete, uh, there's so many different areas that we're going to take authentic conversations. So there's much to look forward to. So I definitely want to um mention that. Yeah. So our books, the documentaries are fantastic that are coming out. Definitely follow us on social with authentic conversations and the inspired impact book series, right, Samantha, for all of our books? All of our books. Out. And and some of the names we're mentioning
0: have been in multiple books together. Angela, you and I were all in women who illuminate. So it's, if you have followed any of us, you'll recognize some of the others in this book and in authentic conversations.
1: Fantastic. Oh, I just love this. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, everyone listening. You can get leading with legacy on Amazon. It is available now. And thank you so much for your time and your story and everything you do, Angela, until next time, everyone always be ruthless. Thanks so much for listening today. Your support means everything to me, truly. If this podcast resonates with you, please do me a favor and join in the Ruthless Movement by making some noise and doing one of these four things. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Tell a friend so we can break stigmas even faster. Leave a review so people can see what you think of the show. And last, if you want to learn more about me and be a part of the Grief Hab community, please head on over to the Facebook group. We'd love to have you. Thanks again for spending your time with us and see you next week.